0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Millennium Live, a Digital Diary podcast. We sit down with the top C-suite executives and talk all things digital transformation. Millennium Live had the pleasure to chat with Sean Emerati, adjunct professor of entrepreneurship at Carnegie Mellon University and co-founder and director of the Carnegie Mellon Corporate Startup Lab. Sean talked all things entrepreneurship, how he predicts ROI for machine learning will take a giant step forward in 2020, and how his passion for helping others begin startups is at the core of what he's doing at Carnegie Mellon. Everyone needs a voice for making the world what it should be. Sean, can you share with our members a little bit about yourself and your work at Carnegie Mellon University?
1: Sure. So I am a recovering entrepreneur. So I dropped out of grad school at Carnegie Mellon to start my first startup, confident in really only one thing, which is that I did not want to be a professor uh, when I grew up, which is kind of ironic given what I do now. But I dropped out, did three startups back to back, sold the first one to Morgan Stanley. The second one was actually LinkedIn's first acquisition. So if you log into your LinkedIn account and you see that ribbon of news across the top of your page, you're welcome. I'm sorry, depending on how you feel about that on your LinkedIn page, but that's our technology. And then the third startup I did was a a media business called Read, Write, Web, which we sold to a private equity roll-up. Towards the tail end of that third startup, I came back as, at that time, adjunct faculty at Carnegie Mellon and started teaching some entrepreneurship classes and absolutely fell in love with helping other people start startups. And as I was wrapping up the third startup, I was thinking, okay, I'll probably start another company and realized, no, I really want to help other people be entrepreneurial. And so for the last seven years, I've continued to teach at Carnegie Mellon and managed a venture firm called Birchmere Ventures, where I'm a partner with two other, two other guys, and then have continued to teach at, at Carnegie Mellon. I wrote a book three years ago called The Science of Growth. And one of the interesting things about the book is the tar- target audience was entrepreneurs, but the people who actually surprisingly bought it in addition to entrepreneurs were large corporate executives. And that got me really interested in like, well, why are Fortune 500 companies Buying a book for startups. So I went and started visiting them like a good entrepreneur does and realized that many of these companies are trying to be entrepreneurial. They're trying to rediscover their entrepreneurial roots. And so we've launched a lab um, that you alluded to at the beginning there called the Corporate Startup Lab three years ago, which is all about helping large companies create startups inside of their established companies. So, how does you know, a company like PNC Bank, that's a, that's a large financial institution, how do they create new companies using the incumbency advantage and in the assets of PNC Bank or the Bosch Corporation? And so we've done this a lot. We've we started to develop some tools and some processes to, to help these companies do that. And that's increasingly a lot of what my work at CMU focuses on, although I continue to still teach a number of traditional entrepreneurship courses as well.
0: That's great. Um, where does your passion for academia and entrepreneurship come from? Has that been in your DNA all of your life, or has a certain experience triggered that passion of yours?
1: Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question. So one of the big debates in higher ed right now is, can you teach people to be entrepreneurs? Um, and there's, you know, people who have passionate arguments on both sides of that. I would just say, experientially, I've had many students come into my class and say, I'm not an entrepreneur, and by the time they're done. They're, they're off starting compelling businesses or they're going to work at you know, places like General Electric or, or PNC Bank or whatever and, and actually do entrepreneurship work inside of those organizations. And so I'm convinced that you can learn to be an entrepreneur, but you learn it differently mm-hmm. than you learn math or marketing or whatever. And so uh, we've worked really hard to try to create curriculum to make people entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And, and this is important to me because when I think about entrepreneurship, I think about people who look out into the world and see the world as it shouldn't be and create products and services that make the world better. And I think no matter how you feel politically or you know, regardless of, kind of your, your social perspectives, we can all agree that there's a lot of things in the world that need to be improved. And so to me, the solution is more people being entrepreneurs. Now, some of that is traditional entrepreneurship, like what I dropped out of grad school to do. Some of that is corporate entrepreneurship, like the things we're doing at the Corporate Startup Lab but it's really important to have more of the world take this entrepreneurial approach to the work that they do. And it's really motivating to me to be part of a team who makes that happen.
0: With that being said, how have you seen the entrepreneurship landscape change in recent years? And how has that changed the wider business environment?
1: That's a great question. You know, when I dropped out of grad school to do my startup 20 years ago, entrepreneurship was definitely a very small part of what happened at Carnegie Mellon. You know, the Entrepreneurship Center was in a, a small corner of, uh, of the building that was in. We just built a new building at, the, at Carnegie Mellon for the business school, thanks to, to David Tepper and a of other people's generosity. And the Entrepreneurship Center is the best space in the newest building on campus. And I think that's not just a reflection of the physical space, but it's a reflection on how the priorities have shifted, where entrepreneurship used to be this kind of side thing, and it is now integral to how these schools work and also frankly how students pick grad schools and I think you've seen that in the business community as well where there's a lot more interest in how entrepreneurship works, how innovation works and how companies can kind of reimagine their futures today.
0: And what technology do you see having the biggest impact on the business community in 2020?
1: You know I'm very excited about the impact that machine learning is having in the enterprise today you know, and I mean that both in the sense of real machine learning, like actually doing deep learning and, and 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 true adaptive systems. Also, frankly, in just kind of standard data science where you're just doing smart regressions to make smart data-driven decisions. But it's I think you're going to 2020 is going to be the year where even more organizations are going to see really compelling ROI on the investments that they make in that space. And you know, that's been a long time coming. Twenty years ago. We had self-driving cars on campus at Carnegie Mellon, but they were definitely sort of edge cases and, and unique things. You would, you would kind of stop and, and stare at them when they were going through the, the little Moorwood parking lot. Today, it's obviously self-driving cars are, are becoming ubiquitous. And I think that increase in capacity as data has become more plentiful, computational power has become so much greater. And frankly, users are now comfortable getting ready to interact with smart adaptive systems, has really changed the the dynamic where I think you're going to see some really amazing, financially driven, hard ROI cases around machine learning in the enterprise in the next year.
0: And why is it so important for academia to collaborate with the industry? And how important is executive education to C-suite executives today?
1: Yeah, it's incredibly important. Both those are incredibly important. So... The reality is, I think, we know at Carnegie Mellon and I think most schools that that we are better when we work with our industry partners. And it's been a a great joy to be a front door to the university for a number of large companies who have come in working with my lab and now are doing projects all over campus. Just to to mention one example of that, um, we've done a lot of work with Optum and their parent company, the United Healthcare Group, and uh, helping them do kind of innovation projects, but they're also doing our projects with our computer science professors where uh, together they're working on machine learning models to better forecast the flu, which again, uh, the, I, I don't know that they're comfortable with me sharing the, the data, but it is, the, the ROI on that for them is, is really staggering when they talk about uh, the cost savings that they could have there. So it's been great to be kind of a front door for that. And then in terms of executive education, I think that most executives today realize that the things that made their organizations and their teams relevant no longer are going to keep them relevant, and that that means continuing education for your senior leaders is, is extremely crucial. It's a, it's a real great joy to be a partner with the Tupper Executive Education Program. I teach a number of their innovation courses there, both open ones, so we have open courses on leading innovation, taking a portfolio approach to innovation, and then we've also built custom programs for different groups there. So we actually, for Optum, built AI for business leaders program that's unique just for their teams. And it's been great to see the executives go through that program and actually able to do their jobs even more effectively and have more impact in the organizations because they now have these new additional skills they can use to have impact.
0: What are the benefits to C-suite executives working with the Millennium Alliance?
1: I am really impressed with this organization. This is the second time I've come to one of your events, your in-person events. And you know I think that uh, the Millennium Alliance Like I think the team that you guys have put together is amazing, but I think the real credit to the team you put together is the people you're able to attract to these events. When I was running startups, I spent a lot of time with IT decision makers. And unfortunately, just with all the different directions I pulled in, it's hard to get a good litmus test on like, well, what really are the pressing issues for IT decision makers today? And one of the great things about coming here is you get a chance to interact with a bunch of different IT decision makers from different industries. There's obviously a lot of financial executives here just because there's the the parallel track going on there, but really incredible diversity from agriculture to e-commerce to transportation and then obviously financial services. And I was able to last night have five or six different conversations with different CIOs really understanding what they care about, which is helpful for me as an academic, but even more helpful is watching them talk to each other about the things they're struggling with and the issues that they're wrestling with. and things that have worked in their company. You know, I we I was talking to two guys last night. One of whom is in the agriculture industry. In uh, per- particular, they actually distribute most of the eggs in America. And another guy was in the energy space. And they were comparing notes on different systems they deployed and how that affected their organization. Obviously, completely not competitive. Like you know, neither of them are going to care if the other one's more efficient, more effective, more profitable. But they were to come back now with concrete examples of things that they should deploy. And so I think the sort of peer learning that happens here is just absolutely magical.
0: What do you see as one of the biggest trends in entrepreneurship in 2020?
1: So I'm I'm both incredibly optimistic about entrepreneurship, and and also I have some concerns. So, So the optimism is we've certainly gotten to a point where for a certain type of startup, for a certain type of entrepreneur, we have made it as efficient and formulaic as ever to start those kinds of companies. And you know this is from things that I've been a, lot, a large part of. So Eric Reese wrote a book a number of years ago called The Lean Startup. Uh, I actually brought a lot of that thinking from Eric and his colleague Steve Blank to Carnegie Mellon creating a class at CMU called uh, The Lean Entrepreneurship Course. And for those kinds of startups and you know two people in a garage solving a certain type of problem, it's never, there's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur, both because of the techniques and the processes uh, also, things like cloud computing that make it much easier to go from zero to one when you're getting started. Also, things like accelerators across the country to get you that first initial funding and give you a roadmap to success. So I think that's incredible. The, the problem and, and the caution is, I think entrepreneurship has become spiky. So a certain segment of the population does a great job being entrepreneurial, but, but other segments may be being left behind. Um, the corporate entrepreneurs is, is certainly one example of that but there are lots of others as well and i think i think as we turn the page it's really important that we spend a a bunch of time figuring out how to make entrepreneurship more equally distributed because if it's entrepreneurs who make the world as it should be which i really believe it is we need to make sure everybody has a voice in making the world as it should be
0: thank you for your time sean and we look forward to seeing you events in 2020. awesome Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure to listen and subscribe to our podcast exclusively on iTunes and SoundCloud to get the inside scoop from top execs in the world of digital transformation.